Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Telling the Story podcast. This is the audio branch of the Telling the Story blog at tellingthestoryblog.com. A look at how journalists and all of us reach the world. I am Matt Pearl, author of the Telling the Story blog and a reporter at NBC in Atlanta. We are back. It's been a month or two since I last laced up the podcast skates, but we are back and we're back with a big guest tonight. My guest just won the National Edward R. Murrow Award for writing for Small Market TV. He is a gifted reporter and shoots his own stories. He's an MMJ, a multimedia journalist. Ted Land, welcome to the Telling the Story podcast. Thanks for having me, Matt. Great to be here. And Ted, we should congratulate you not just on the Murrow, but also your new job. You were at WSBT in South Bend, Indiana. You're heading to King TV in Seattle, a terrific station. You've got to be thrilled. Yeah, I can't wait, actually. And so I'm like in the middle of the move right now, uh, mid-July. So I'm going to pack up and hit the road in a few days here. And I can't wait to head out west and get started. I've been out of work for about a week or two now, and I'm starting to get a little antsy. So it'll be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Getting restless. Yeah. Well, it's obviously been just an exciting month for you between the new job and finding out that you won the Murrow Award I, you know, obviously you've been doing this for quite a few years now, and, and you're someone who I can tell prides himself on his writing. What did winning the Murrow mean to you? Um, honestly, it it was something that I had been trying to win for um, years now. You know, I, the, I, I've always watched the Murrow winning entries, and it's always been important me, to me to see what other reporters and photographers are doing around the country on that level and what do the judges see as award-winning work. And I've learned a lot by watching uh, p- entries in the past. And so, you know, it, I don't know, what did it mean to me? It meant, you know, kind of achieving a goal of mine, which was really to win this award, but also to prove that someone who goes out there as a one-man band, as an MMJ or VJ or whatever you want to call it, can still produce um, award-winning work on that level, even if you're doing it all by yourself. Um, and, you know, I, I just hope other people see that and recognize that. It doesn't matter what market you're in or what station you're in or what size city you're in or how much your workload is, that there's no excuse for not producing high-quality work uh, on a daily basis. And that if you go out there and attack stories with uh, that mindset, you can really come away with uh, some really significant awards like this one. And so I hope other people see that and recognize that they can do that too. And uh, I should mention a little bit, just for those who aren't familiar, how the Murrows work. So there are uh, about a little more over a dozen regions around the country and everyone enters their mm-hmm. uh, their best work in a variety of categories. And right. Right around March and April, regional Murrow Award winners are chosen, and then in certain categories like writing, those winners then go on to the national competition. So you found out you had won the regional Murrow, and I'm sure that in itself was a nice milestone. very cool. Absolutely. And then to see this happen, I mean, is this, would you call this, is is this one of the highlights of your career? Is this maybe the biggest award you've won? I would think so, yeah, Um, definitely, um, without question. And, you know, I was I had actually just gone on vacation for a week and I was at the airport in Atlanta um, Ah. going to Florida for vacation. (laughs) And I see on my phone a missed call from an area code in Lansing, Michigan. I was like, why would someone in Lansing, Michigan? And I realized I kind of put two and two together. That's where the region chair is at. 
And he had the same guy who had called last time when I won the regional. And so I said, oh, my gosh, I wonder why he's calling. And I knew right away when I called him. So I had reason to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> it was huge. But, yeah, it was a great, great award. And um, I've, I've, I've always respected the people who've won this reward, award in the past. And there are some really, really good reporters and writers out there who've won it before me. And they set the bar really high. And um, I've always watched their work and try to achieve some of the things that they have done in their work. And so, you know, to me, to be ranked among them is really uh, flattering. You entered a variety of stories. I watched mm -hmm. your uh, entry a little while ago. You entered a hard news piece and then yep. two, I, I guess, more feature type stories. Exactly. What do you think made your work award winning? So I think that a great entry, I, you're, you're allowed to enter three stories and then there's a time limit. But if you're doing kind of day turn stories or just general news, you, you don't really have to worry about the time limit because no story is longer than two or three minutes. But I always think that it's important to enter like a really fast turnaround spot news story, something hard news that just came up on you in the middle of the day that, you know, that we all kind of cover day to day. And then also like a really good feature that you've done uh, in a way that others cannot or that others you know that sets it apart from others and then something that's maybe like an enterprise story but is kind of featurey um I, I i know that from past experience i think that what the judges are always looking for is something that is memorable something that that they will that'll, that'll make them say wow or they'll make that they'll think about after the story you know like there's so many stories that we all kind of do that they're all kind of the same story if you can do something a little different from that um and do it in a way that they'll remember because these judges are watching so many entries over and over mm -hmm. that i think that is what sets you apart and that's what them makes them recognize kind of a winning entry at the end of it all it needs to be a good mix though i think of breaking news and feature or just kind of hard news and something more enterprise, just something that, that demonstrates your flexibility, that you, you're not just a feature reporter, that you apply these standards to something that you turned around in two hours as something that you turned around that took a week for you to put together. Yeah. One story that rang very, very familiar to me because I'd seen it before was a piece on a local drive-in movie theater that mm -hmm. was facing some financial issues, right. potentially going to have to close. Um, and it was a great piece. There was a lot going on there. You really you weave very seamlessly from the personal story of the husband and wife who come out for their anniversary yeah. to kind of the bigger, wider scope. How much fun do you have kind of figuring out the jigsaw puzzle of a feature like that and, and putting that kind of thing together? Yeah, I, I, I think that it's it's like equal parts just going out there and looking around for what is the most interesting visual kind of charismatic element of the story and then equal parts like luck because you know <laughs> I I don't I, I would, I'd never been to a movie drive-in movie theater before and I went out there and I just really tried to kind of see what the what the scene is like and um, you know there's a lot of different people gathering there and they're all kind of hanging out and minding their own business and you really have to kind of go up to them and figure out oh so what's your story why are you here how many years have been coming and you know you just got to find the right people to tell that story. And then just kind of hang back and let them tell the story. And I did gather so many elements for that story because I was there from like the moment people started arriving for the movie theater till the very end of the last movie, which was like one in the morning. Wow. And so um, and so I had a lot of stuff at the end of the day and I wanted and I it it took a lot to kind of boil it down into something good. And, and you know, 
one thing I wish I had done with that story was kind of follow up with that family toward the end of the movies as they were leaving, just to get that kind of like, yeah, we're really going to miss this uh, soundbite or that, you know, soundbite about why they really enjoyed the theater. Cause I, I didn't do that with them because I couldn't find them cause it was pitch black. <laughs> and so like they're looking in hindsight, there's a few things I would do differently with that story, but I'm so glad I found that family because they really told it in, in such an interesting way. And, and I did have fun because I got to hang out at a movie theater uh, on a Thursday night and, you know, meet these interesting people and, and, you know, kind of tell a really visual story. So that, that was fun yeah. for me, but stressful I, at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it can often be, much easier to kind of weave your own storytelling voice into those features than it is into the harder pieces because, you know, harder pieces just by yeah. their nature require a certain degree of exactly. seriousness, just the facts, that kind mm-hmm. of mentality. Yeah. Uh, but I noticed when I've watched your hard news pieces in the past and when I watched the one that you submitted this time, it was, again, it, was, it, was, it had a voice. It was written not just in the standard cookie-cutter way, but it definitely had a human feel to it. What are your strategies for those kinds of stories, and where does, in amongst all the things you're doing as an MMJ, where does the writing rank in your production of a piece? Well, um, writing ranks right alongside the quality of photography for me. Um, I mean, they're just as important as each other when I'm out there gathering the story and then when I'm putting it together. And sometimes I'll have really good video and, you know, I all have like really good shots that I've gathered and some gnats. And then I start writing the story just kind of like mediocre because I'm like focusing on the video. And then I have to say, wait a minute, stop. You got to really focus on the writing here as well and kind of back up and maybe throw the script away and start again. And so it's really important to have a voice, your own voice that really represents um, your level of work that sets your stories apart from other people. And, you know, I, you could give tips on that and say, you know, focus on a character, build the story around a character, um, you know, help develop them through and, you know, maybe get into, into some of the more facts about the story after you, you know, kind of meet a, meet an individual that's affected by this. But um, I guess when I, my kind of, my like rules for writing are, um, Find someone who's affected by the issue, who um, is a good character, who's excited to talk about it, even if it's a tough subject to talk about, someone who is willing to talk about it. It's, you kind of have to approach it like a casting director for a movie in some ways. Like when you're out in the mm-hmm. field, like who out there is like um, coming to life? Or who's approaching you and talking to you before you ever start doing some interviews? It's like, okay, this person might be good. This person might be good. This person is totally not afraid of a camera. So they're going to be good <laughs> on camera. And, you know, it, you just got to like keep an eye out. And then, so I, I find that person, I really just build the story around them. And then I try to make as a reporter, what I think are reasonable observations about the issue or the topic that I think will resonate with the viewers at home. That, maybe they have, maybe they under maybe they notice the same thing as me, but it takes a reporter to kind of say, Hey, but you know, make us make, make this observation about whatever's going on. And, and they'll be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought too. And that makes sense. And then also, you know, it's important to know when to end the story and to like wrap it up and cut it off. And, you know, sometimes my stories can be pretty short. I, I rarely go over a minute 30 and I like almost never go over two minutes. And it's just because I, I kind of try to get to the point early and, um, you know, get my good stuff in and save a little bit for the end. 
And then once you think you have it all there, then just kind of end the story and find a way to wrap it all up and, and not drag on. Because I think that is um, kind of the downfall of some reporters when they write. It just goes on too long. And so, you know, you just got to make the most of what you have and, and know when to shut up, I guess. <laughs> a lot of good <laughs> tips there. And, and I think the one that rang most true to me is just the power of observation. Mm-hmm. And I find myself doing that more than ever now, whether it's a hard news story, whether it is a feature, whether I have time or I don't have time, mm-hmm. I really do try to spend as much time as I can when I'm out on the scene, just kind of observing and, and yeah. trying to figure out what makes each story unique. Because it's like you said, you can you can come in with rules and, and talk mm-hmm. about focusing on a character and try to yeah. place a formula onto it. But at the end of the day, so many of these stories are so similar in a variety of ways that you really do have to just be on the lookout for what makes each one different. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's scary for some people to go out there as a reporter, as an objective journalist, and to like say what they think about a certain issue, or or to, or to say um, an observation that they've made in the field that I think this situation looks like this. But right. in some ways, that's your responsibility as a reporter, is because nobody else is there to do that on 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 the on behalf of your viewers. So within reason to go out there and and you know, make sense of a situation by summing it up with, oh, well, you know, people here felt like this. People here seem to think that this was why this happened. This was, you know, and and that gives clarity to a lot of issues. And if you do it, you know, properly, there are rules to doing it. You know, you don't want to overstep your bounds and editorialize. But But there's a difference between that and helping people understand a story, particularly during live shots at breaking news situations, when you've kind of like run out of the facts, like the who, what, when, where type of facts, it's important to kind of look around and just be like, well, this is kind of what it feels like out here. This is kind yeah. of what, this is what a lot of people are expressing to me who I've talked to in the last hour at this scene. Uh, that really brings, um, that brings a lot to a story that some people might not realize. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I am Matt Pearl. He is Ted Land, this year's National Edward R. Murrow Award winner for writing for small market television. I mentioned this at the beginning, Ted, and we've talked about it a little bit. You shoot your own stories. You're an MMJ, a solo video journalist, one-man band. There are more names than there are, I think, actual people who do the job. But uh, I wanted to spend this second segment talking about that and how you've grown in that area. I I thought it was very interesting in your very first answer on this podcast talking about the pride you had in Mm -hmm. doing high-quality work as an MMJ. What are... Before we get into kind of the advantages that you have by being on your own, what are some of the challenges that you face, specifically from a writing standpoint, because you're shooting your own stories? Um, I probably don't have enough time to log video or to be like um, writing, you know, while the photographer would be gathering shots or to be thinking of like brilliant opening and closing lines and that kind of thing. But that said, I think my chemistry now is like an MMJ is one in that I don't really think about what I'm missing out on anymore. Um, I really just I think I am I am just an I am an MMJ. And therefore, like there are certain ways to put together the story as you're out in the field. And you don't think about how you might have done it differently had you been working with the photographer. Absolutely. Um, And so. It's hard for me to express, you know, the challenges because I, I probably 
tried to tackle those very early on in my MMJ career because without mm-hmm. doing that, you're not going to succeed uh, as someone who works solo in, in the field. Um, but, you know, I would say time management is what it's all about, is just knowing knowing how much time you have to do something. I would say the, the writing process is probably much fat. I remember when I worked with a photographer, when I worked at KTUU in Anchorage, um, always worked with a photographer, worked with some really, really good photographers. Um, and like, I remember I would like sometimes write three quarters of the story and get the photographer editing on it while I thought of like a brilliant, like way to close the story and like a really closing line. I don't have that luxury anymore because there's only one of me now. So there's no one else like editing it or thinking of the, the, the good line to close it on. And so I just, I, you have to, you have to write the story and then you have to edit it and you don't have a choice and you know, you don't miss deadline because you're, you're the story, just getting it on air is the most important thing. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, that, but it's probably made me more efficient and a better writer at the end of the day. And, uh, and I was going to ask, you know, again, as someone who does it myself, I, I know I feel like there are a lot of situations, I would say most stories where I feel like I just work more quickly because mm-hmm. I'm on my own. What's the story that, that you did that stands out to you because in that story, being a solo video journalist, made your work better? Um, I would say, I, I would say any of my stories that have like won awards or that I've been proud of, maybe like the stuff on my Murrow entry. Um, Which by the way, we'll put online, we'll put a link to that yeah, on the page of right. the podcast so y- y'all can watch it. Thank you. Um, but I would say there's a lot of stories where when you arrive you know, the desk tells you to go check this thing out and you go. And on the way there, you're like, oh, this is stupid. This isn't a story. I don't know why we're doing this. It's probably nothing. Hopefully it's nothing. So I can go back to doing whatever I was doing before. Like, you know, you have all these (laughs) things in your mind that you're like, you know, and like when you get there and you decide that, no, this is something else. And this could be something much, much better, much more interesting. You know, it only takes as a MMJ, I think, Getting back to your question, it's it's not letting anyone else interfere with my vision when I get there. And I when I see something in a story, when I see, oh, okay, this could be really, really good. And I know why. And it's because of this and this and this. And, you know, but sometimes with your if you're working in a team, you have to convince the other person to have that vision as well. And, um, you know, I've in my experiences, there have been some times where you, it's hard to convince that other person. And you, meanwhile, you're missing out on things or they just don't see the same see, see the same thing eye to eye. So um, I think a good example, there was a story I did where like uh, there was like a big truck that was stuck in an intersection at this like small town, about a 40 minutes from South Bend. And, um, you know, it had been stuck for like hours. And I was like, sure, the thing was going to be gone by the time I got there. And I, I, I was working on some other story and I kind of thought, you know, all right, well, this is just a VOSAT. I'll just shoot it and we can get out of there and do our, I can go continue doing my own thing as an MMJ. And I get there and like the, the whole town is there trying to free this stuck truck. And wow. like, they're pouring like detergent from like, uh, like clothing detergent. under. Oh, the, I saw this story. Yeah, that was yeah, a good story. Trying to like nudge it out of the way and slide it and like trying all these things and like, like the guy who was running the tow truck was this woman's like grandson who she was watching and she owns the trucking company. And it was just like all these like hilarious, like awesome, you know, 
people standing around like making comments about it and you know it wasn't like a it wasn't that big of a deal i mean the truck got freed within an hour of me being there and moved on but i was like this is so cool how everybody's here and talking about it and it's got the whole town here and i like to me it was the perfect story and like i i don't think some other people would have seen that in the field initially and may have been turned off just kind of about the trivialness of the story or that it wasn't you know that big of a deal but I think when you, you really have to commit to something and dig into it and like just start miking people up and listening and before you can say, okay, this is something good and you know, this I can actually turn this into something. So I mean it's just I, I trust I think as a as a as an MMJ, I try not to sell myself short the moment I get there. And it's still something I kind of struggle with. I just to just to know that this could be the next great story. Just give it a chance. Yeah. I think what you what you might lose in the kind of the back and forth between a reporter and photojournalist, what you might lose in that cooperation, you gain in that singular vision. And, exactly. And when you do I, have I that moment. Ground, yeah, and I can hit the ground running immediately. One thing I do miss, and I'll say this, is like when I'm working with a really, when I've worked with a really good photographer, and they have a vision, and they're convincing me. And like the two of us are like building on that, and we come up with like something really, really good. I mean, yeah. I miss that because I don't get to do that as, a, as someone who works by himself every day. So, I mean, that's the flip side to it. This is the Telling the Story podcast. I'm Matt Pearl. He is Ted Land, the newest reporter at King TV in Seattle. Ted, I like to use this last section as an advice section for younger journalists. And specifically, since so many now are coming in as an MMJ, I wanted to ask you a little bit about that. And, and before we get to specifics as to what you would tell people, just kind of your thoughts on the state of multimedia journalism. Because I know... You know, I enter a lot of contests myself, and, and I can tell from year to year how the talent level just keeps going up. And you see so many more new faces and really high-quality work. What are your thoughts uh, on the future of this, this field? I think that um, when it started to really become popular, I think it was like 2007, 2008, I know Gannett like really made this big push for it. And that's when a lot of people at the higher levels of the business started doing it. Um, it's not a fad or anything like that. I think that there's certainly a place for it in a lot of newsrooms and, um, it's not going away. And so these jobs are going to be there at every level from New York city to Fairbanks, Alaska or whatever market 210 is. It's going to happen everywhere. Um, yes, there are some markets where it's not happening, but I think it's only a matter of time until it happens on some level in those markets just because, and I, I don't really buy the whole like financial reason for doing it. Although there, you know, there are from a business standpoint, probably reasons I don't work at that level. So I, I don't think about those things, but, um, I think that anyone who wants to add more content to their newscast with the resources that they have, it's a smart way to do that. And there's a lot of stories out there that can be done really well by just a single person in the field. So, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly happening everywhere. So, uh, so I want I want you to kind of answer a, a question that, or 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 maybe refute an argument that I used to hear a lot when I was coming up. I I worked with a lot of reporters uh, in my first few markets who, at the time, were MMJs, but they really did not want to do it, yeah. and they saw it as a means to an end. Right. Where well, if I put in my time, if I yeah. do a good enough job, then I'll you know ultimately get to be a reporter where I won't have to shoot my yeah. own stories. And and I think um, a lot of times they thought that way to their detriment, where they wouldn't necessarily mm -hmm. bother to learn how to 
really, really shoot well, mm-hmm. and it would ultimately affect their work, and they wouldn't have the, the right. great kinds of stories that you want other stations and markets to see. So what is the sales pitch that you would give to a young journalist just coming out of college who wants to be a reporter but wants nothing to do with shooting his or her own stories? Right. Um, so my argument with that is, and I was probably one of those people maybe even five years ago who was like, oh, I'll shoot, but only if, you know, someday it means I don't have to shoot. Um, but my pitch to them is this. If you want to work at the higher levels of this industry uh, in a bigger city for a great station um, and move up, then there are opportunities out there for good MMJs who really care about shooting, writing, and editing their own work. And if you, as a reporter or MMJ or anyone, any, an on-air person who goes out and gathers things in the field, gathers stories in the field, you can, you can like improve your odds drastically of moving up by being someone who is passionate about shooting and writing and editing, editing and getting good at it. Because there's a lot of people who don't want to do that and they're in this pool over here um, who are just the, just the reporters who don't shoot and write and edit. And then there's the others who are like, yeah, I love to shoot, write, and edit, and I want to be an MMJ, and I'd love to move up. And so you've now narrowed your you know, pool of competition to get those good jobs significantly by being someone who not only um, is willing to shoot, write, and edit, but someone who loves to do that and who's gotten good at it. Um, I mean, there's so many opportunities for someone like that. And, you know, so those of you who are in, um, you know, the hundred plus markets in your first job or two, and this is, you know, a reality for you is to shoot your own material. I would urge you to think differently about it as not just a stepping stone, but perhaps as like one of the greatest career opportunities out there. And you're in a position now where you can really get good at it and win some awards and, you know, um, take photography seriously. It's not just, you know, a little a chore you have to do to get the story on the air. Um, if you embrace that, and, and that's, I, I didn't even recognize that until a few years ago. I thought, you know, you know, here I am in my, you know, mid to late 20s, and um, I'm on my, my second or third job, and, you know, I'd really like to move up and, and you know, get somewhere in this business what am I, what am I not doing? And, you know, there's a, I just thought I have to shoot and I have to get good at it. And, and, you know, there's so many jobs like that and where, who's getting these jobs? It's people who produce great work consistently. So get good at it and embrace it. And you might actually love it. And I love it. I can't think of telling stories any other way at this point, even though there was a time not that long ago when I thought otherwise. Mm. What was uh, the biggest decision or thing that you did as a young journalist to help get you to where you are now? Um, I stepped out of my comfort zone many times. And if you grew up in, you know, Chicago suburbs and went to school two hours away in, you know, Illinois, and you think, oh, well, I'm just going to get my first job somewhere within two hours of my parents and live, you know, close to home. Like, I get that. I'm kind of doing that. I kind of did that in my last career move. But you are going to get so much more out of your career if you just go somewhere where there's a great opportunity and it doesn't matter where it is. I moved to Alaska for my like second job and it's because there's a great station up there with wonderful photographers and so many opportunities for great storytelling and visual 
um, stories at that, you know, I thought this is so important to me. I'm going to do this and I'm going to grow from it. And I did. And I made, met some of the most important people in my career by doing that. And had I not done that, I know I wouldn't be moving on to this next um, job of mine in Seattle. Um, and, you know, so kind of ignore that instinct to just kind of do what your friends who aren't in TV are doing and, you know, kind of <laughs> city, you know, and, and like, just forget about what they're doing for like 10 years. Okay. And just focus on yourself, find places that have great opportunities with good mentors and good people and good staff who will help you grow as a journalist. And you'll come out of it on the other side with like some great opportunities and, and you'll look back and have some really good adventures, but don't just stick around to your comfort zone and try to like stick around home. And, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just, you're just going to be part of the herd at that point. So just, you know, branch out, do things that are uncomfortable, go places that make you feel, you know, like a fish out of water where you don't really know that many people, you're going to meet some really interesting people in this business and they're going to prove to be really important at some point. Excellent stuff, Ted. Uh, I always like to end with that famous reporter's question. Is there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to add? Um, trying to think. Also, I think along with all that is to not sell yourself short early in your career. If this is something that you want to do, give it time. Because sometimes, you know, you focus, you watch, look at your, your, your other reporter friends who are like, you know, moving up to whatever market. Honestly, just give it time. Everybody moves up at different level at different times, and everybody kind of develops on their own. And um, don't bail too early if you really like what you're doing. If you really like TV news and you're really passionate about stories, I know it's hard to like work in small markets for a long time and to make not that good of money or to like live in a place that you're not really happy with. Um, but just have a plan and a goal at the end of it all, and. If, if you drop out and decide to go do PR or marketing or something else, then at that point, you can pretty much like forget about like your TV news journalism goals for the near future because you've changed. And, you know, for some people, that's OK. That's what you want to do. But um, but just trust yourself along the way and trust that things will you know get you where you need to be. And and don't sell yourself short too early in your career if you're someone who's either in college or about to graduate college and you really love TV news, it's not easy, but if you really stick with it, it proves to be, you know, you can make a really good career out of it. Yeah. I think there's, um, you know, there's, everybody talks about work life balance. And, mm -hmm. and I know for me, there were a couple of times in my career where, you know, as passionate as I was and am about, uh, journalism and, and TV and wanting to mm -hmm. do it, there were definitely points where, it almost was not enough to outweigh the other goals that I mm -hmm. had and, and wanted for my life. And, and, I, and you know, th there were definitely some moments where I, it could have gone either way for me. Yeah, and, oh, me you know, too. Lo yeah. Looking back at the end, I'm very, very glad that I stuck with it. And, and it's like you said, you almost have to kind of come out on the other side mm -hmm. of that whole path. Yes. But it's, it's not easy, and, and I can definitely, you know, in a vacuum, mm -hmm. absolutely go for it. But I, yeah. I, I can always see where people have those questions or those issues. How long do you wait right. for that dream yes. to be realized? And I know within the last few years, I've had that conversation with myself. There were moments where I thought, is this right for me? Should I keep doing this? And, um, you know, that's, I think, healthy to question what you're doing and question why you're doing it. But if you weigh, you know, all of your options and at the end of the day, you come out with, 
does doing a great story still feel really good at the end of it all? Do I still feel so valuable when I've put a great story on the air? And the answer is yes, then keep doing it. There you go. All right. Well, great conversation, Ted. Thank you so much uh, for coming on tonight and uh, for joining the Telling the Story podcast. Thanks, Matt. I really like your blog, and uh, I hope that uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, all the other future content on there. It's a really good uh, resource for <laughs> younger reporters and even those of us who've been doing it a few years. So yeah, thanks for what you do. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing what that content will be too, for <laughs> sure. And the Telling the Story blog updates every Monday and Wednesday. The website is tellingthestoryblog.com. Rate and review this podcast on iTunes. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Telling the Story podcast. We'll see you next time.